Good morning. Good to see you all this Sunday. Good to be together in the house of the Lord, celebrate our risen Savior, uh, the grace that's ours through Him, uh, the mercy that we have received when, boy, did we not deserve it. Um, but we are here this morning uh, to sing, our, sing praises to the Lord, uh, to sit under the preaching of His Word, uh, and to be encouraged by His grace, and to be reminded of the great commission that we are all a part of. And uh, who would have ever thought in our wildest dreams that our Savior would choose us to be a part of His grand plan to, to bring the world uh, to Himself. If you're visiting with us, we're really glad that you are with us today. Um, there is a QR code in, in the bulletin, and if you know how to scan a QR code, then uh, that will take you online to a spot uh, where you can uh, see our bulletin. And if you go down to the bottom, there's a place where you can fill out a digital connection card. If you're visiting online with us, uh, it should be on the screen for you. A few announcements to make. First of all, this Friday, we have a fifth quarter here. It is homecoming week for our 4-0 and o top 5 ranked Cherokee Indians. Um, I don't mind saying that. I'm, I think that we all have a little bit of civic pride there. Um, Community pride, and that, that's good, but we will have a fourth quarter uh, at the church Friday night after the ball game. It is homecoming, and if you're interested in donating, bringing something uh, to help with that fifth quarter, there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. Marsha, do I need to add anything else? Okay, good. Uh, also, it is that time, once again, uh, Operation Christmas Child. Now, you might think it's a little early for us to start Operation Christmas Child when, when Barbara um, and and uh, Kayla brought it to me that we need to start uh, with Operation Christmas Child. The reason that we're starting this early is because the women of the Word uh, are planning to fill as many shoeboxes as possible by the end of October. And we will emphasize as a church um, Operation Christmas Child October and November, and then they are sent in uh, November uh, to... San Saba, where they go on to um, wherever they're going around the world. But this early emphasis is through the women of the word. And so if you would like for them to shop for you, please make sure that you donate to the church. Designate it as Operation Christmas Child. When I say donate, I mean money to the church. Designate it for Operation Christmas Child. Or if you'd like, you can give the donation directly to Kayla Forehand. Uh, there's already some boxes in the foyer if you're ready to pick some up. So uh, we, last year, how many did we have, Jerry? 300 and... That's a huge number of boxes for a little old Cherokee, Texas. But, but we just, I'm so thankful for how our church rises up and, and, and uh, meets the, the goal and exceeds the goal. So hopefully we'll, we'll beat 302. Uh, one final announcement, Arctic Barnabas Blessing Boxes. Uh, we're going to send the next round of those the middle of next month. If you're interested in helping out with that, there's a list of donated items and a box to collect those donated items in the foyer. I think that's all the announcements that I know of. Does anyone have anything that needs to be announced to the church? Well, all right, let's stand. And I'll lead us. Actually, we will just all join in and say this call to worship together. Reminding us of the fact that the Lord is worthy of all praise and why we ought to praise Him. To stir our hearts as we get ready to sing to Him the praise that He so richly deserves. So let's say this together.
Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. Let's worship together.
you that it's still that time of year when we're giving to state mission offering, our Reach Texas offering. Uh, if you haven't been here in a few weeks, our church uh, changed course on uh, the denominational organization to whom we would send our Texas mission offering. And so we are sending it to the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention Reach Texas offering. If you notice on the screen, James, can you go to the next slide? Our giving goal is 4000 And let's see, we started uh, the first Sunday of September. This is the third Sunday of September, $3,300. Praise the Lord for that. Um, I, I know that this church, it feels very strongly about missions, gives very faithfully to missions. I'm not surprised to see $3,300. So I fully expect that uh, as the Lord continues to impress upon people's hearts, the need to band together with others in the state of Texas for the sake of the gospel, that that number is going to go over 4000 I praise God for that. I want to remind you again that if you haven't picked up a prayer guide, there are some on the back table. Please take one. Uh, take it home and uh, stick it in your Bible or whatever you use. I hope you're using your Bible. But you may be using a devotional book for your quiet time. Um, and, and take this and, and spend some time in prayer. You'll find in here just little stories about how God is using the Reach Texas offering uh, to, for gospel purposes in Texas for His glory. And uh, it's been encouraging to me to read some of the things that are, are in here. You'll get more information about different emphases that Reach Texas is involved in. And I encourage you strongly to get one of these, take it home, and, and read it and, and pray all, all the time that we're emphasizing this. Uh, again, we're going to watch a, a brief video uh, about how the Reach Texas offering is being used. This one is on disaster relief, but not in the way that you would expect. So I don't want to be a spoiler on that, so I'll just let the Lord reveal this to you. Four officers have been shot in Leveland. Three rushed here to Lubbock and University Medical Center for treatment. Two are critical. A suspect surrounded inside a Leveland home tonight refusing to come out. We've had uh, a total of five officers injured today including the loss of, of uh, Sergeant Bartlett. Uh, our hearts, my heart. Hi, I'm Pastor Joe Smith, Senior Pastor of Liberty Church uh, for 11 years, and we're located in Leveland. On July the 15th, 2021, we had uh, an active shooter around 1 p.m., and Unfortunately, we uh, had to call the SWAT team out of Lubbock, and the standoff went up to about 9, uh, 9 p.m. It was an eight-hour standoff. The cause of the shooting was uh, due to mental uh, problems the shooter had. He was a friend of one of our members, 
and uh, I met the young man two months prior to the shooting. Uh, just seemed like a normal kid. The shooter was randomly shooting at anyone nearby that was walking. Uh, he shot the house next door pretty good and, and across the street, shot at some windows. A few weeks after the shooting, Kyle Sadler came and reached out to me through the SBTC Disaster Relief Team. Hello, my name is Kyle Sadler, and I'm the coordinator for Texas Rebuild, um, which is part of SBTC Disaster Relief. Normally, we're known as somebody that goes in and uh, guts a house that floods, but this was kind of a unique situation. The SWAT team, whenever they were coming in, they had to bring their heavy vehicle through the backyard. It just totally demolished the fence. Well, we needed to rebuild the fence. stray bullets that had gone and hit the neighbor across the street this beautiful picture window that they had in the front of their house I ended up just reaching out to the local glass company and they said we'll take care of it the reason why that I'm called in is to be a connection to connect the local congregation with those that are in need Because a lot of times we're the ones that receive the call and not the local church. And the local church is who wants to minister them. The neighborhood reacted and they were overwhelmed with SBTC disaster relief team. It was just a beautiful sight to see them smiling from ear to ear, knowing that their house was going to be fixed, their fence was going to be repaired. And so I think that with that, we, that's allowed us to come in there and be more receptive and more invited into their homes. After Kyle left, uh, we went back uh, several weeks. We uh, sponsored a, a little fellowship with the, the neighborhood. We brought sandwiches, drinks, and we finished the project that needed to be finished. Uh, as we were doing this, we had a small group of ladies, a small team that went door-to-door not -door knocking, praying for the households, and we had a good report with the community. The, they uh, had specific prayer needs, and so as of now, we still have a prayer vigil for our, our community. We still go out there and, and reach out to those neighborhoods that were affected in this area. So keep praying for Liberty Church. I want to thank you for a REACH Texas offering on behalf of the SBTC. They have helped tremendously in my ministry, in my personal walk with the Lord and the mission that I'm on. Had it not been for your giving, I don't believe I'd be here today. It is because of your giving that I'm here. And your giving is reaching out more than you could ever imagine. Boasting is necessary, though it is not profitable, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up to the third heaven. And I know how 
Such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. God knows, was caught up into the paradise and heard inexpressible words, which a man is not permitted to speak. On behalf of such a man I will boast, but on my own behalf I will not boast, except in regard to my weaknesses. For if I do wish to boast, I will not be foolish, for I will be speaking the truth. But I'll refrain from this, so that no one will credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong.
Every one of those was an oldie but a goodie, wasn't it? How many of you have... Okay, I'm not trying to discern your age. How many of you have sung those songs for 30 years? 40 years? 50 years? 60 years? That's awesome. These songs never get old. Um, praise God that... This was, again, one of those mornings where... Now, I'm sad that James is not here. He's got a little stomach issue he's dealing with. But, uh, you know, when, when, when they're familiar ones, we sing with gusto, don't we? And, and when we know the truth, not just here, but here, uh, we sing with much more gusto. Um, sometimes our eyes sing a little bit, if you know what I'm saying. Well, I would ask you, if you would, please take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Romans. We are in the second sermon of a ten-part series on His Glorious Grace. The title of this morning's message is Marvelous, Infinite, Matchless Grace. If you, if you were, you probably know that's, that's in uh, Grace Greater Than Our Sin, that, that particular... It, those words are part of, a, of one of the verses, marvelous, infinite, matchless grace. We'll be in Romans chapter 5, and verses 12 to 21. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, you should find a hardback copy of God's Word somewhere around you. Turn to the back of the Bible, find page 122, and you'll be at Romans chapter 5. Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 21. This is God's word. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For, indeed, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if... Because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace might also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, this is a massive text. The truth here is so weighty and, and significant. 
Uh, and Lord, I, I pray that uh, even though Paul can be a little bit difficult to understand here, it seems like he is just so um, overpowered with the truth that's in this text um, that he has maybe even a hard time getting it out. Yet we trust that this is your inspired word written for us that we might be conformed more to the image of Christ Jesus. Paul speaks uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit so highly about grace that has been given to us, a free gift of righteousness through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I pray that having such um, a wonderful subject upon which to cast our eyes, um, that the preacher would not do... Uh, that an injustice that would focus the hearts of the listeners on the jewel that is the grace that's ours in Christ and prayed in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. 23 years ago, I, um, or I guess probably more, I decided that it was probably time to put a ring on that beautiful woman's finger. And uh, so, you know, you have to go shopping for, for diamonds and, and thankfully, I was a football coach. What do you want? I want a football-shaped diamond. I can understand that. Thank you. If you'd have said something else, I would have scratched my head. But football, I understand. So you go to the jeweler, and you begin to talk about the, 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 the diamond, the setting, all those things. And, and, and when, you take, when, when you start to look at diamonds, what he does is he takes a black piece of felt, and he pulls, puts it down on the countertop, and then he puts the... The, the, the jewels on top of it. Uh, and, and that makes the beauty of the jewel that much more pronounced. Now, if you had put that jewel in, in, in another setting, another place, it probably would not have uh, been as beautiful. But when you put it on that black velvet, oh, it just seems to be so bright and clear and beautiful. So last week we started a sermon series um, called His Glorious Grace. And I did basically a panorama view of grace. And we are reminded today that grace is simply God's free and unmerited favor given to sinners. And so today, in order for us, you know, a panorama is a lot of information. But I think to even give us maybe a little bit better starting point from which to understand grace, we need to set grace upon the black velvet of the fall of man and what that has done for mankind. Um, Paul, you heard it in my prayer this week. I, I labored over this particular text uh, because Paul seems to say the same thing over and over in different ways. And I was struggling to discern structure here. But I praise God that um, you know, there, there's always... Um, you can always trust in the Holy Spirit and trust in uh, some good commentary, some people who know more than you to lead you in the right direction. So this morning, as we consider the text, uh, there's three points that um, come to the fore for us as we consider His glorious grace, His marvelous, marvelous, infinite, matchless grace. And the first thing we see in the text is the magnitude of the curse of sin in Adam. We specifically look at verses 12 through 14. And one of the first things that Paul says is that sin and death entered the world through one man. Verse 12, 
Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. Well, we know the story of the Bible. We know that in Genesis chapter 3 that Adam sinned against the Lord. Now, to give us maybe a little more background to understand how egregious the offense was, think of it in in this way. What Adam did was not just a boo-boo. It was what we could call cosmic treason. God is the ruler, the unassailable ruler, the unquestioned ruler of the world. And Adam thought he knew more than God. So we could call this cosmic treason. Sin is cosmic treason. In the text, you notice probably a number of different ways that sin is is referred to. The first one is, is the word sin, the one that we're all familiar with. And the Greek term there means missing the mark. It's an archer term. You aim at the bullseye. And and you're missing the mark. In fact, you're not even on the target. The second word that appeared in verse 14 is the the word transgression. Transgression simply means that you are not being or not doing what God requires. In verse 15, there's the word trespass, which means overstepping a boundary. And then in verse 19, you see the word disobedience. Disobedience means doing what God forbids. So all of this summarizes, encapsulates the cosmic treason that Adam committed against the Lord of glory. What came of that? Cosmic treason led to a cosmic tragedy. Notice in the text what sin led to. And I'm going to put these kind of in the order that I think that they might happen chronologically. So sin committed leads to what is referred to in verse 16 as judgment. God is the just Judge, he knows right and wrong. He knows his own law. And he judged Adam and Eve. A step further in verses 16 and 18, it mentions condemnation. Not only were they judged, they were condemned. And the condemnation that was pronounced upon them, verse 12, led to death. But we know that the story of the Bible doesn't limit cosmic treason just to Adam and Eve. Not only did sin and death enter the world through one man, sin and death spread to all men. You look in verse 19 and it says, many were made sinners. The verb were made there in the text doesn't mean that sinless people were compelled to become sinners, but rather that Adam's sin constituted them as sinners. They were born as members of a race already separated from God. Now what Paul is talking about here in contrasting Adam and Christ is the concept of corporate personality. In other words, I think Martin Lloyd-Jones does a good job of kind of helping us to see what corporate personality means. And he says, God has always dealt with mankind through a head, through a representative, And the whole story of the human race can be summed up in terms of what has happened because of Adam and what has happened and will happen yet because of Christ. So death spread to all men because Adam was their corporate head. Death also, I'm sorry, that sin and death entering the world led to many trespasses as it says in verse 16. So not only 
Are we born as members of a race that are already separated from God by our sin that we inherited from Adam? Furthermore, we contribute to the problem ourselves. David in Psalm 51 says, I was conceived in iniquity. Not calling the act of of reproduction in any way uh, sinful. He's saying, I know from what stock I came. I came from sinful stock. I was born this way. Not only that, he says in Psalm 51, against you and you only have I sinned. So he acknowledges that he was born behind the eight ball and furthermore, he contributes to the problem. Sin and death spread to all men through many trespasses. In fact, verse 12, it says all sinned. And in verse 13 and 14, I want to read that again. Explain that for us. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. I'll stop there. Even though there was no law to break. Death reigned from Adam to Moses. Now what does that mean? It means that all humanity had inherited Adam's sin nature and then had personally sinned against God and had therefore received in full the wages for their sin, which is death. It's talking about physical death, but we should not get too distance from this also possibly, very likely meaning, spiritual death. So many died, such that we could say, Death reigned. And that's what the, what the text says. When God created the heavens and the earth, and He created mankind, remember he, he created them in His own image. And God, as King of the world, um, and, and, and you, you're familiar with this, um, if you, you, some of you may be old enough to remember this, and you, you can, there's a good example of it now with North Korea. Everywhere you go in North Korea, what are you going to find? An image of their great leader. And, and it's to, to remind them who is actually in charge. Well, when God created humanity, we were given the responsibility and the authority to rule over the world. And so being created in His image, we were... Images of God in His rule. So, we were supposed to reign in life with God as His vice reasons. God, God is the ultimate ruler, but, but, but humanity was supposed to, to rule the earth under the reign of God. Well, what happened? Instead, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. See, Adam had a law. Eat of any tree in the garden that you wish, except for this one tree. You may not eat of it, for in the day that you eat of it, you will die. He broke that law. He transgressed it. There was no law between Adam and Moses, so people couldn't transgress in the way that Adam did, yet... The magnitude of the curse of sin in Adam meant that sin and death entered the world through one man and then spread to all men, and then death reigned. Now, I chose the word magnitude specifically 
If you're familiar with the Richter scale, that's what's used to measure earthquake intensity. It's a logarithmic scale, and, and, and I realize there's two former math teachers, and I'm married math, so I'm trying to, to not indicate how ignorant I am of math. But the Richter scale is a logarithmic scale that measures the strength of an earthquake. And, and one of the strongest earthquakes on record is a 9.5. Happened in Chile years and years ago. But just for the sake of simplicity, think of it this way. A 9.0 earthquake is 1 trillion times stronger than a 1.0 earthquake. In fact, a 1.0 earthquake is the equivalent of 20 grams of TNT being exploded. That's like a firecracker exploding 5 miles below the Earth's crust. But a 9.0 earthquake is 20 trillion kilograms of TNT. Just to give you an idea of how much energy that is, just a 7.0 earthquake creates enough energy to heat New York City for an entire year. Magnitude. So they, they, call, they, they measure earthquakes in terms of magnitude. I think we all realize that what Adam did was of a great magnitude. That it tore the fabric. It, 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 until Christ came, it irrevocably changed everything. But thankfully, it's not the end of the story. You see at the end of verse 14, it mentions Adam, and then Paul adds this one phrase, who was a type of the one who was to come. Now, type may be a word that we're not too familiar with, but let me define it for you. It's an Old Testament institution or person or place or event that's regarded as anticipating the person of Jesus Christ or some aspect of the Christian faith. So Adam was one who as the head of a race had a huge impact on his descendants, on his, uh, his brothers. Similarly, Christ, he's the antitype. He's the head of a new race of believers. And where Adam failed... In what he was supposed to do, Christ did not fail. Adam is the type. Christ is the anti-type. But to understand more fully what Christ accomplished, we have to see Adam in that type and to to see what he did and to get that, that black velvet cloth out so that we can turn our attention to the matchlessness of grace in the free gift. In verses 15 to 17, Paul begins to contrast. If you remember questions on tests, compare and contrast. Hated those questions. But Paul here is going to start uh, by contrasting Adam and Christ. In the last part of the text, he compares Adam and Christ. And he says, in in, in contrasting the two, that the free gift is not like the trespass. Here he's talking about the nature of the actions. The action of Adam, which caused sin. The action of Christ, who who brought salvation. He says, with regard to Adam, many died through the one man's trespass. Now, we have to understand here that by by many, Paul means all. Um, He means all with exception of Enoch and Isaac. Remember, 
One man's trespass brought death to all mankind. But that's not the end of the story. Many died through the one man's trespass, but notice what it says. Much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. One thing we need to keep in mind is there is a difference between the magnitude of what Adam caused and the sheer overpowering magnitude of what Christ did in His free gift. That's how the free gift is not like the trespass. John Calvin put it this way. The grace of Christ belongs to a greater number than the condemnation contracted by the first man. For if the fall of Adam had the effect of producing the ruin of many, the grace of God is much more efficacious in benefiting many since it is granted that Christ is much more powerful to save than Adam was to destroy. Somebody got to say amen. That was, that's good stuff. And listen to C.H. Hodge. He says, We have reason to believe that the lost shall bear to the saved no greater proportion than the inmates of a prison do to the mass of the community. Amen. God promised Abraham. He says, your descendants will be like the stars in the sky and like the sand on the, on the beach. The free gift is not like the trespass. Furthermore, the free gift is not like the result of Adam's sin. Now we're talking about the immediate effects of the action. Because the text says that the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But listen to how Paul finishes that. The free gift, not just following one trespass, but many trespasses brought justification. Listen to what John Stott has to say. He says, in the case of Adam, God's judgment brought condemnation. In the case of Christ, God's gift brought justification. The contrast is absolute. Yet there is more to the antithesis than just the two words condemnation and justification. It is that God's judgment followed only one sin, whereas God's gift followed many trespasses. The secular mind would have expected many sins to attract more judgment than one sin, but grace operates with a different arithmetic. Somebody say amen, because that's ours. Charles Cranfield says this, that one single misdeed should be answered by judgment. This is perfectly understandable. That the accumulated sins and guilt of all the ages should be answered by God's free gift. This is the miracle of miracles, utterly beyond human comprehension. The free gift is not like the result of Adam's sin. So that the ultimate effects of the actions... Whereas because of one man's sin, death reigned. But that's not the end of the story, Paul says. But much more will those who receive the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. John Stott says this. He says, we're not prepared for what follows. Namely, that the recipients of God's abundant grace will themselves reign in life. Listen to this. Formerly death was our king and we were slaves under its totalitarian tyranny. 
What Christ has done for us is not just to exchange death's kingdom for the much more gentle kingdom of life. Listen, while leaving us in the position of subjects. Rather, he delivers us from the rule of death so radically as to enable us to change places with it and rule over it or reign in life. We become kings, sharing the kingship of Christ with even death under our feet now and one day to be destroyed. That's why Paul keeps using the words much more, abounded, much more, abundance. He's talking about more than just reversing the curse and its negative effects. He's talking about the giving of positive blessing. That's why we call it matchless. That's why he says it's not like this. It's like this. And it's matchless. Where this was bad, much more did God abound in His grace through Christ Jesus. Finally, we come to the majesty of the blessings of grace in Christ. Here, Paul compares Adam and Christ. But in terms of antitheticals, like this. Black and white, they're both colors, but they are exact opposites. If you know what a Venn diagram is, where there are two overlapping circles, it's a way to organize information where you can compare how they are alike and contrast how they are different. Well, in the comparison, Paul is still going to point out the difference between Adam and Christ. See, those that are condemned in Adam are justified in Christ. They were condemned to physical and spiritual death in Adam. That's what the text says. And that spiritual and physical death meant that the the righteous judge, God, had looked at the evidence and handed down a, a verdict of guilty and had passed sentence. But those who were formerly condemned in Adam are now justified in Christ. Instead of being... Declared guilty. They were justified by being declared not guilty. It was just as if I'd never sinned. I'm not guilty. It's just as if I'd always obeyed, that I'd always been righteous. And both of these are true because God imputes Christ's righteousness. That's the free gift of righteousness. God imputes that to the believer. It's important to understand. I said it this way. Those condemned in Adam are justified in Christ. Don't hear that as if I'm saying that everyone who is condemned in Adam will all be justified in Christ. Paul says in verse 17, Those who will receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness in Christ, those are the ones who will be justified. There were those who were made sinners in Adam, and now they are made righteous in Christ. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, Look at yourself in Adam. Though you had done nothing, you were declared a sinner. Look at yourself in Christ and see that though you have done nothing, you are declared to be righteous. That is the parallel. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake, God He made Him, Christ, to be sin 
who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Not just declared righteous, but become the righteousness of God in Christ. The law increased. The law was given to increase sin. That's what Paul says uh, in verse 20. But where the law increased sin, grace superabounded. You see, the law can only reveal sin. The law defines and displays sin. It turns sin into a transgression. You know you're crossing the boundary. Law can even be said to promote sin. Paul himself in Romans said, I didn't know what coveting was until the law told me. And then when I knew what coveting was, then sin came alive in me and I died. See, the law can't prevent sin. It's too weak. The law can only condemn. And so when the law was given and, and, and um, sin increased, it wasn't the end of the story. Grace superabounded. That's literally what the Greek word is. Superabundance. Not just abundance but exceedingly, abundantly, more than we can ask or even imagine. And with that being the case, Paul says in verse 20, 21, that sin, where it was formerly reigning in death through Adam, now it has given way to grace reigning in life through Christ. Verse 21 starts with, so that. This is God's purpose for all that He's done. In His grace, through the free gift of righteousness in Christ, that we might have grace reigning in our lives through Christ. John Stott, one more time. Nothing could sum up better the blessings of being in Christ than the expression, the reign of grace. For grace forgives sin through the cross and bestows on the sinner both righteousness and eternal life. Grace satisfies the thirsty soul and fills the hungry with good things. Grace sanctifies sinners, shaping them into the image of Christ. And perhaps there are some of us that need to hear this today. Grace perseveres even with the recalcitrant, those who are hard, stiff-necked, hard-hearted against the Lord. Grace perseveres even with those determining to complete what it has started. And one day, grace will destroy death and consummate the kingdom. So when we are convinced that grace reigns, we will remember that God's throne is a throne of grace and we will come boldly to it to receive mercy and to find grace for every need. It's who we are. As we come to an end here, I have to impress Upon each of us, all of us, every single person, you are either in Adam or you are in Christ. Now all of us, when we were born, everyone except Christ in human history, was born in Adam as a natural born son of Adam, destined for death and eternal separation from God. If you think, well, I know what I need to do, I, I just need to, if, if Adam's example was, was bad, then what I need to do is I need to follow Christ's example. Well, I'm here to tell you that the path to eternal life is not following 
Christ's moral example. Friends, you simply cannot look at the magnitude of the curse and the matchlessness of the free gift and the majesty of the blessing of grace in Christ and believes that Paul intends for lost men to just try harder to be like Christ. That is not the point. If you believe that, you are believing a lie and you have signed your death warrant. No. The truth is that you're born in Adam, but you must be reborn to be in Christ and to become an adopted son of God in Christ. And to be born again, you must simply receive the gift of salvation by grace through faith in Christ's work. You have to say this. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. If you will do that, grace will flow to you. But for those of us who know that we are in Christ, here's a question for you. Are you living like you're in Christ or in Adam? Now, I've quoted John Stott, and he's been really good here. But I promise you, I, I made my own butter with the milk he provided. So, But I want to finish with this because this is very challenging to me about day-to-day appropriation of the truth about grace reigning in life. Stott says, Who reigns today? Who is on the throne? Before Christ came, the throne was occupied by sin and death, and the world was strewn with corpses. But since Christ came, the throne has been occupied by grace and by those who have received grace, and their reign is characterized by life. Verse 21 sums up God's purpose, that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here's the question. Is this our vision? In our view of ultimate reality, in our view, of ultimate reality. Who is occupying the throne today? Are we still living in the Old Testament with the whole scene dominated by Adam as if he remained unchallenged and Christ had never come? Or are we, as authentic New Testament Christians, whose vision is filled with Christ crucified, risen, and reigning? Is guilt still reigning and death Or is grace reigning and life? This is a personal question, folks. What it comes down to is this. You, in Christ, have been given riches untold. And are you living in rags? If you are, grace is reigning in life. The magnitude of the curse is overshadowed by the magnitude of the free gift of grace of God in Christ Jesus. And the effects of it. Oh, friend, let them reign in your life. Put away the guilt. Grace is yours. And it's to reign in life for you. Father, we thank you for our Savior, for His obedient life, for His sacrificial death, for His atonement, for His propitiation, that His righteousness justifies us 
that He has set us apart for Himself. And that where death and sin reigned, now grace and life reign. Lord, for each of us, maybe we... There's a little bit of us that, that thinks that Adam's got too big of a hold on us. And maybe that's just the way things are. Overwhelm us with your grace that we might see that there is eternal life to be enjoyed here and now. Lord, shower us with your grace. Draw us into deeper life. For it's what the Savior died for and it's what you want. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing just as I am today. That's how the Lord will accept you. Just as you are. Let's sing together. Over our prayer list briefly, see if you have any updates before we dismiss. Um, does anyone have any new information on Addie Webster? Okay, continue to pray for her and her family. Um, Judge, um, that's Zach's grandfather, um, has decided to forego treatment for his, um, his uh, leukemia. And so he's going to spend the remainder of the time that the Lord... Uh, blesses him with with family and living the life that um, living life as best as he can. Uh, I know he would covet your prayers. He was at the ball game on Friday night. Got to visit with him for a brief second, and uh, he wanted to make sure that you knew how grateful he was for your prayers. And he needs prayers. Anything, Zach, Aaron, y'all need to add anything? Okay. And and make sure you pray for Zach and the family. I know this is difficult for them. Pray for Ben, Ben Campbell. Um, he's um, in St. David's North in Austin. Uh, got a number of health problems, sepsis. Uh, his heart rate got down very, very low. Uh, blood pressure was a problem. All Just all sorts of things going on with him. So I have not heard from Blake today. Hopefully I will today. Pray for Ben. It does not sound good for Ben. Uh, we've also added Bo Wesley Shannon to our list. Um, 
he was in a bad wreck, lost, his, lost an, uh, part of his arm. That's Fanny's, uh, Fanny Proctor's grandson. Uh, pray for the Bud Milliron family. That's Jane's brother-in-law. They had his funeral Friday. Is that right, Jane? Okay. So pray for that family. Pray for the Clinton Hayden family. His service is this week, 24th at 11 uh, at the Ramblin' Rose. Uh, pray for Daryl Fletcher. Uh, he has stage 4 lung cancer. Uh, continue to pray for John and his recovery. He had shoulder replacement, right? Yeah. That is crazy to me. But pray for, pray for John and his recovery. Uh, Kirby Mark, that's Sam's uh, granddaughter. She had an ACL reconstruction. Surgery went well. Colton Bench, who's one of our students here, uh, had surgery on his leg. Uh, came through that fine, and he's home. Uh, so pray for those that are in recovery. Also pray for Mary Catherine. Uh, she is away in Kenya doing some work there. And uh, she has a lot of work that she's hoping to accomplish. She texted me a list of prayers that she would love for people to be praying. If you would like that list, I would, I'd be happy to text that to you so you can pray for her. Also, just one final reminder, I haven't done this in a while, but those of you who are prayer champions, keep it up. Keep it up. If you fall off the horse, dust yourself off, get back on. Don't feel bad, just get back in there and pray. Um, it, it is doing more than you'll ever imagine. Anything else before we dismiss? Brother Shannon? Yes. Uh, my oldest brother, Porter, yes. will be going, he'll be at uh, MD Anderson tomorrow. Okay. Uh, they're planning to be there for at least a week, and so we're hoping that we'll kind of know what the date is. Okay, so Porter Burke will be at MD Anderson tomorrow. So, all right, anyone else? Well, let's stand, we'll have a word of prayer, say the Great Commission will be dismissed. Father, how incredibly grateful we are to know that you are all-powerful, all-good, all-wise, all-knowing. And uh, the people that we have mentioned today, Lord, they are in great need of, of your help. We especially pray for Addie uh, and for Ben, for Judge. Pray for Porter Burke. Uh, we pray for those that have lost loved ones. We pray for those that are recovering from surgery, that you would bless them with healing. Lord, for those that are on our list uh, that we have not mentioned and for... Those that uh, some of us have in our minds right now, Lord, we trust that you are God and you know best. So we ask that you would do uh, for each person in this list exceedingly, abundantly above all that they can ask or imagine. Uh, for your glory and for their good. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Let's say the Great Commission together.